0: Um, If you have a Bible with you, can I encourage you to open it to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, and we're just going to read the first three verses of of the book, or of the chapter even. This is coming, obviously, at the end of the six days of creation, um, followed by the seventh day on which God rests. So let's hear God speak to us through his word. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them... And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's word. Amen. I'm aware this probably feels a wee bit of a funny passage to read. Um, Often whenever we read this passage, the, the time in which we read it is generally falls in the midst of a series. Um, you'll often read this if you've maybe done a series on the start of Genesis and creation, and you get to the seventh day, uh, and it falls in that slot. Or if you're doing the Ten Commandments, and you get to the fourth commandment, um, you know, a, uh, remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy. We're, we're often used to think about it in that. But one of the reasons I wanted to just have a Sunday where we thought about this is that I think as we enter into the summertime, it's this time when we think about rest. And as a culture, we are very, very bad at resting, incredibly bad at resting. And as Christians, we have a very particular view of rest that is different from the world around us and what it means to truly rest. And I wanted to just take a Sunday and just to reflect upon that, especially at this time of the year, Thank you so much, Stephen. I'm sorry, I forgot to grab that. Especially at this time of year where we we see what it actually means for us to rest, what it means to have a life-giving rest and to see how it changes us. And I think even as I begin to use the word Sabbath, there's some of you who will have hairs going up in the back of your neck because I think often in in Ulster, the way we talk about Sabbath is often the way that... um, the caricature of, you know, swing sets being chained up on a Sunday and people kind of sitting dourly and uh, miserable on a Sunday trying to listen to a sermon after sermon. Maybe that is how you feel this Sunday. Maybe um, When really what we see in this passage is something that is far richer and far more beautiful than that. And it's is actually a huge antidote to the chronic fatigue and frustration that so many of you will feel in your work lives and so many of your colleagues will feel. This is one of the most life-giving things that we believe, that God has given us rest. And I want us to take a look at that this morning. I just want to look at this day in three different ways. I want to see how this day is holy, how this day gives us rest, and how this day is full of grace. Holy, rest, and grace. It's, it's fairly straightforward. I want to start off by looking at how today, this day, is Holy. Some of you will have been in a table quiz and one of the questions will be, how many days did it take God to make the earth? And it's a trick question because the person wants you to say six days. And if you want to be really pedantic at a table quiz, I would never want to be pedantic at a table quiz, but hypothetically, if you did, you could argue that there is something that God does on the seventh day that is special to creation and that shapes all of creation. So technically God did did do something on the seventh day that means that he made the world in seven days. If you look down with me, he carries out a work. There's an active verb in verse three where we read that God blessed this seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God blesses this day, something actively that he has done. That this day, his day, is the day that he has blessed and made it holy. It's not a random, arbitrary day that we get to decide. It's not a day off. It's a day that God has made holy. He has, as we may use the, the, the definition of holy, he has set it apart for a purpose. And he has blessed it for that purpose. And that this is baked into creation itself. Often whenever we think about this day of the concept of Sabbath, we think about it in terms of, uh, of Exodus and Mount Sinai and the giving of the Ten Commandments. And we often think of it as a law that's to be followed. And yet... We haven't got there and already this idea of having one day in seven as a day for rest is backed, not into a law that the people have to follow, but is backed into the very fibre of creation itself, where God rests on the seventh day right from the beginning. It is, if you want to use the theological phrase, a creation mandate. It is something that is stitched into the hearts of not just every single Christian or every single Jewish believer, but into mankind itself. And if you think I'm being hyperbolic in this, all you need to do is look at the times in history whenever we people have tried to get away from this concept. In 1793, um, the French Revolution decided to make time metric. So you had 100 seconds in a minute, you had 100 minutes in an hour, and you had 10 hours in a day, and you had 10 days in a week, and you had one day off in the ten. And it went as well as you can expect. Not only did everybody have to go and buy a new clock, which as a Northampton man, the idea of having to buy something you already have pains me greatly, but it meant that people were exhausted. And rather than increasing productivity by having everybody work by this more simple version of time, it actually decreased productivity and increased the rate of suicide within within the French Uh, Republic at the time, and they had to cancel it after a couple of years. And then a few decades, or a few couple of centuries later, in the 20th century, in the USSR, the communist regime there decided to try and introduce a continual form of factory output so that in ramping up for the Cold War or for the the great wars that they saw coming between the proletariat and the masses around them. They tried to create, make a society so that there was no day off, but that workers' shifts just constantly rolled and rolled and rolled. And so that there would be a continuous output of huge amount of ornaments and machinery from the factories across the Soviet Union. However, after 10 years of rapidly decreasing output, they had to cancel it because they realized that people were made for at least one day's worth of rest within seven this is something we all know, and this is something that is backed into creation, and this is something that we all have witnessed. And God has given us to us as a wonderful gift. He's blessed this day that it may be a blessing to you. Have you ever thought about it that way, rather than I may be thought of whenever my grandmother wouldn't let me watch certain TV shows on a Sunday or whenever you weren't allowed to cut the grass on a Sunday or do the the laundry. Today is to be a blessing, holy and set apart that God has set apart, not that you may be burdened by it because that was the issue the Pharisees made, wasn't it? They used it as a rod for the people's backs. But as Jesus himself says, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this day, today, is to be a blessing for you, for you. And that is a wonderful expression of the heart of our God, that one day in seven is made to bless you. Second thing that I want to look at is just the concept of rest that's in this. I said at the start of the sermon that as a culture, we don't know how to rest, and There's been a lot of data coming out about this uh, for various years now. In 2003, there was an article in the New York Times by a Jewish writer, Judith Shulovitz. And Shulovitz had been raised in a Jewish community. And so obviously every Saturday they practiced the Sabbath um, very, very rigorously. And then she got off to the big city. And as you can imagine what often happens, she turned her back on her faith And she decided to spend her Saturdays catching up on the bits of work that she'd missed out throughout the week, catching up with brunch on friends, running errands, all of that kind of stuff that you would probably spend your weekends doing. But she found that over that period of time that she was felt more isolated, more tired, more chronically lonely, and she felt herself cut off from people. And then she felt a strange impulse, after doing this for a few years, to go back to the synagogue and she wanted to go back to find the thing that she had been missing. And she chatted to some psychologists about this in the article, and the article is called Bring Back the Sabbath. And this was part of a trend that took place in the early 21st century and around New York that psychologists began to pick up on, of how people had jettisoned the idea of a Sabbath of one day off and they began to become chronically tired and not just tired, but actually began to then shut themselves away from the communities that they had been part of and they just wanted to sit and to vegetate, watch TV and get their errands done. And it became a whole psychological phenomenon that psychologists 20 years ago had to deal with and it is slightly terrifying to think of 2003 as 20 years ago, isn't it? Um, And that being 20 years ago, you would think that maybe we would have found a solution to it, to this chronic problem that she talked about. And yet, if anything, we have gotten worse. Because we think of, in our culture, as rest, as simply ceasing to work. And so what do we do? We then just sit in front of a screen, or we vegetate, or we do something. And we are left more exhausted by the end of it. They reckon that 500 years ago, across an entire lifetime, the average person would have to process 74 gigabytes of information. That will mean nothing to some of you, and I'm so sorry, but it's a fair chunk of information. They reckon the the average modern person will process 74 gigabytes of information a day. The average person now is subjected to over 140,000 words a day. And to give you an idea, the average novel is 75,000 words long. So you are forced to process the equivalent of two novels worth of words every single day. Each day, the average person in the West is subject to somewhere between 4,000 and 10,000 adverts. And we wonder why we're tired. For so long, we lived with information like sipping at it, like sipping from a glass of water. And the culture in the world we now live in is the equivalent of somebody saying, stand against that wall, open your mouth, and I've got this fireman's hose. And that is how we process information, a bombardment of our senses. And to make matters worse, we carry one of these in our pockets that we will touch an average of 2,617 times a day. And that is the average across all age ranges. So if you are below the age of 30, it is statistically going to be a lot higher for you. We are constantly pestered and bothered and bombarded and notified and dinged and emailed and messaged. And we never switch off. And whenever we do switch off, we don't actually rest. Instead, we just do something to numb the sense of just impending tiredness that we feel all the time. And whenever we try to rest, we're simply resting because we think, well, I need to get some rest so that whenever I get back to work next week that I feel better. How many of you have said, you know, I can't wait for a break because it means whenever I get back to work, I'll be able to focus on the things I've been meaning to get around to. Rest has become something that is only a means to doing more things rather than an end in and of itself, something we were made for. There's one writer, Alan Noble, who's an English professor over in America, who he wrote in one of his books recently, that even when we think we are on vacation or relaxing, the spirit of our action is still efficiency. Vacation becomes a project that must be completed on time and on budget. Even when we try to, quote unquote, veg out by scrolling through Instagram or playing a mindless video game or watching an episode after episode of a mediocre sitcom, the pace of our entertainment is frantic. Images change rapidly and we get easily bored. Our rest is rarely restful. It is an active rest, a rest without silence or stillness, a rest marked by the overwhelming responsibility to make better use of your time. How many of you feel rested after you've rested? Or how many of you just feel, I need to get up again? How many of us feel bombarded by this information that we are surrounded by? And how many of us never feel that we have a moment's peace. And yet we were made for this rest. And one of the great challenges of reading that God rested after seven days. And the implication that we are then commanded to rest one day in seven. Is that it requires us to step back from the constant noise that we are surrounded by. To take a deep breath. And to realize that if we stop working for a day, the world will keep on spinning. The dishes will wait. The grass will wait. The laundry will wait. Rest. Not because it will make you better at your work come Monday, but rest because you were actively made to rest. It is something that has inherent value to it. God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested because there was an inherent value to resting. There is a hope to resting. And that is why we rest. Not that we might work better, but that we might discover the richness of the rest that God is talking about. This is the final thing that we see. And it's that Christian rest is not just a ceasing from working, but Christian rest is resting into the grace that we have received. Sorry. <clears throat> some of you will have no doubt, as I've been speaking about the idea of one day in seven being special and marked out. You, some of you will have realized, ah, James, that's all well and good, but in the Old Testament, it was on a Saturday. So if God made one day holy, why don't we have our Sabbath on a Saturday the way the Jews did? You know, if God made it holy and God made it marked it out and God made it special, why do we now meet on a Sunday? And the reason that that we meet on a Sunday is because there has been a world-transforming grace that has restructured even how we rest. For the Jews in the Old Testament, um, the reason they rested on a Saturday was that it was the last day of the week. So the idea was that you lived through the week looking forward to the last day of the week whenever you would get some rest. So there was a looking forward to the hope that God would bring that eternal rest that would come through his Messiah. And then his Messiah came. And his Messiah was crucified. And the day the Messiah was crucified was a Friday evening which was the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. Breaking the laws and commandments that the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that they were upholding so well, they killed God in the flesh. And the day, that day that was meant to be holy and sacred and set apart for the Jewish community, their savior lay dead in the tomb. The day that was meant to be a day of celebration and jubilation, was a day of silence. And then on the third day, the Sunday, the first day of the week, the world as you and I know it transformed, never again to be returned to what it was before. Because no longer would we look forward to an event that would see our hope and our rest realized, but we would look back. We would look back to the death Burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, where sin and death and the devil itself is defeated as Jesus is killed and sacrificed to wash us of our sins and descends to the very depths of our existence to death itself, sanctifying it and rising on the third day that you and I may have life and have hope that was unheard of and unrealized and unthought of in an unfathomable way prior to that. That on Sunday, this day, we mark and we celebrate the wonderful truth that we believe as Christians, that even the saddest thing that you and I know, which is death, has been conquered and defeated and we will pass through it as but a shadow because our Savior has went there for us and we rest in the grace of that. My favorite question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which I quote all the time and I'm sorry, but I I, I love this one so much, is what is faith? Faith is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest in Jesus Christ alone for salvation as he's held out to us in the gospel. We receive and rest in Jesus Christ. That's what allows us to rest as Christians. That's what transforms us as Christians, not a simple ceasing from work, but a ceasing from feeling we have to justify ourselves before God, a ceasing from having to feel that we have to somehow measure up or make ourselves approachable or nice enough or good enough to God, because every single gospel narrative we are told by a a secular society will demand more effort and time of you. If you want to be successful, you can spend more hours at the office and wear yourself out. If you want to be popular, you can chase after all of the friendships and relationships you want and be burnt out by the end of it. If you want to be seen as bright and as academic, you can study more and more and more and put the hours in. There is always more work that you can do, but the opposite of that is the gospel and the grace that we believe in, which is that we rest into a grace that we have received. That is what marks today out as special, that on this day, all of us here received the wonderful life-giving good news that is Jesus, dead, buried and raised again for forgiveness of sins, that we would no longer feel that we have to justify ourselves before God that we would no longer feel that we have to hide away in sin and guilt and shame, but it was conquered and dead and gone because Jesus was risen and grace was real and we had hope and rest. That is why today is special. That is the truth that we live out of. That is the thing that has transformed the world for 2,000 years. So whenever you are resting this summer, I encourage you, yes, take time out, cease from working. But take this gospel we believe in, this grace that we have encountered in Jesus, imbibe it into the very marrow of your being and rest in it. Rest in it. Because that is where real rest is found because we know that we do not need to earn it. And we do not need to work hard for it. We cannot add to it. We cannot top it up. We receive it as a gift and we rest into it. And so today, on God's day, God's special day, can I encourage you, leave the dishes for a wee while. Put your feet up and rest because Jesus has done it all for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the good news that is Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and raised again for forgiveness of sins. Lord, the yoke of sin and shame may hang around our shoulders. Help us to set it aside and to rest, to rest in you and to bask in the hope that you give.